Dongtini, episode 62. On today's show, Simone has a life-altering experience with Project Runway's Tim Gunn, the absurdity of Mormonism and Christianity is compared, and bad Nokia technology nearly killed Dongtini before it was born. And now, here are your hosts, Simone Turkington and Stephanie Drury. Hello, Stephanie. How are you, Dong? I'm dying very well. How are you dying, Simone? I'm dying okay. I'm a little under the weather, but not under the weather enough. Like, I had just last <laughs> night before just getting towards bedtime, my throat was hurting a little. I sneezed a few times and found uh, uh, sniffling uh, after that sneeze, after those sneezes. I thought, well, gosh, hot dog. Maybe I'll wake up sick tomorrow and I can't go to work. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And I woke up and the throat, you know, usually your first of the morning throat soreness is the worst. And that's what you call and croak at, croak in at work and say, ah, I'm too thick. But yeah, but it wasn't. It just felt the same. And yeah, it's uh. just, it's just not been enough. And then my boss called and he sounded really sick. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just not sick enough. So yeah. So unfortunately I'm slightly sick, but not sick enough. That is how I am dong. Was so, your um, sick boss still going to work? No, no, he called in to say he was sick, but he sounded oh. sick. But then I talked to him later, he had to call that something else, and he didn't sound as sick. But he just... Said, he was faking. <laughs> maybe, but he had, like, first of the morning sick. You know, you sound... You gotta get that call in right away, because that's when you really sound sick. You really do. Yeah. <laughs> you sound as hopeless as possible. <laughs> yeah. See, I've got nasal drip going down the back of my throat. I'm not well, but just... I feel oh. fine. It's just, you know, little annoyances like that. But, um, yeah. but anyway, so I called our recording early today, but I didn't tell you why. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to get down to the bookstore because Tony Danza's gonna be there. Oh! <laughs> oh my god! I don't know why so I care, but I mean, it's Tony Danza, and he's like up the street from my house. How can I not just go and have a look at Tony Danza? You know, it's free. So. Yeah, so that's at 7.30. It's now 6.17, so I think I'll make it in more than enough time. But <laughs> God, I love that so much. It's so I funny. I didn't understand, but I was like, um, is it possible to record a little earlier today? <laughs> oh, that's I understand. Why. Glad, I'm totally glad you think so. Yeah, but um, uh, we used to watch Who's the Boss every week. I just... I just love that show, and and that's where I started saying whiz for peeing. One time, I remember Angela had to pee real bad, and she came and she's like, "I need to take a whiz," and like whiz just took over for me and my sister after that. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know if she remembers that that was the origin of whiz in our household, but I do. So there Did you, you go. Did you say that Mona said that? Uh, no, Angela said that. Oh, Angela. It sounds something more like Mona would say. <laughs> no, I remember Angela looking very flustered and like her hands were sticking out like that was the focus <laughs> of her her needs at that moment. So anyway, but I guess Tony Danza's written this book about how he used to be a bad student and now he's a teacher. So it's like the two sides of that coin. So He's a teacher? <laughs> he's teaching. I know, scary, huh? What's he teaching? <laughs> I don't know, but if I get into the talk or read the book, I don't think I'll buy the book. I think I just want to go and be near Tony. Danza. <laughs> Seriously. 
my thing with who's the boss is that that the only celebrity birthday that, <laughs> that I share is is Judith Light from Who's the Boss, Angela. You know, her. And until recently, recently I found out that I also have the same birthday as Tom Sharpling. So those are my two. Oh, celebrity that's right. Because I saw him on his birthday and it was like, oh, it's yours and Debbie's birthday. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, didn't he get sung to by a bunch of waiters while you were he there? He did. He did on the cruise ship. Yeah, that was quite yeah. hilarious. But he told me it was awful. I said, I think I would rather be gang raped than sung happy birthday to in front of Jello Biafra. He's like, no, I would actually rather be sung happy birthday to, but it still really sucked. And on a cruise ship, no less. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, but bigger news than Tony Danza, for me anyway. Perhaps not as yeah. internationally famous, but I think it's a bigger deal. So that last Tuesday, I went to a book signing and I met Mr. Tim Gunn from Project Runway. <laughs> now, for any listeners who don't know uh, Tim Gunn, uh, Project Runway is a reality show. Now, before you judge, I think it's in the higher echelon of reality shows because I think it's 90, 70, 70% creativity, maybe even 75% creating and then 25%, you know, personality. You know what I mean? It's more about the making right. of the stuff and it's not about all the drama that goes on with it. And of course there is some, how can you not have it? But, with you know, you get a room of gay guys together. I mean, of course drama has to ensue. In fact, I, I think they must keep it down. They must tone it down for how much gay is going on on that show. But anyway. <laughs> I think they do, actually. But Tim Gunn. He's the mentor, and he comes in while they're working on their projects and advises them and, and such and such. And he's just such a... I always just find him to be such a lovely and warm man, and I just I just love him to bits, and I just wish he was my uncle. No. You know, don't you wish I that know. he's like the ultimate gay uncle? He is the yeah. ultimate gay uncle. He so is. He's so perfection. He and is. Like, he's just, I love so much when he throws his hands out and goes... We're gonna miss you, like after someone gets kicked off the show. The like way they he's just so, flick like, out to the side a little bit. I know he's so generous. Wow. Oh, Tim Gunn. So I just adore this man. And so my friend Janice posted on Facebook that it was doing book signing. I freaked the fuck out. Like I just kept <laughs> replying in multiple comments because I just kept hitting enter right away every time because I was so excited. There were like three comments to say something that should have been contained in one. And anyway, so luckily she went in ahead of, early in the morning, got us wristbands. So we were right near the front. And yeah, so now it has been a long held dream of mine that Tim Gunn, the Mr. Critique, Mr. He's just so tasteful, this man, that he would pay me a compliment for my my attire and my style. This is just something I dreamed about without knowing that there was a book signing on the horizon. So naturally, knowing I'm going to meet Tim Gunn, I took a lot of effort and I did my hair in a beehive the night before and picked out my outfit and got up early and did my makeup because I had to go to work before I could go to the thing. So oh I made God. sure. I'm like, you're not going to go and meet Tim Gunn looking like crap, okay? It's just preposterous. Yeah. Oh, seriously. So, anyway, so I go there, my, my turn comes up in line, and I give him my book, and he says, I said, hi, I'm so excited to meet you, and he's like, oh, it's lovely to meet you too, and then he turned to the book, and I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess that's all of our exchange, and then he turned back at me, and he said, <laughs> he said, oh, you're so stylish, and I was like, oh my god, thank you so much, and then I told him that it was my dream, and then I also told him that it was my fear that I would bump into him on the street one day and be dressed like crap. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, well, not today, head to toe. And oh, then, <laughs> head to toe. Head to toe. 
And then the bun, the noble lady chimed in, and your hair. And Tim said, everything, the whole look, stunning. Oh my God. Yeah, it was just like, That's my head was just right spinning. I was like completely loopy after he said all this because he's like one of the ultimate comment, compliments you can oh, get. Because, yeah. you know, he's just so, you know together and yeah oh, he's the best so anyway so and then i thanked him for his work because he really is outspoken against using fur which i really appreciate so i thanked him for that and we chit-chatted about that but i couldn't quite hear him properly because by then my head was too crazed anyway <laughs> and so we chit-chatted about that and then um he gave me my book we got a photo taken which i'll put on the website and um and then my friend Janice went up too, and then um, and then uh, he said, "Bye, Janice. Bye, Simone." Like he remembered my name from like a, oh. you know, it, it, with all that many people, it's exciting that he would remember it for like two minutes. Seriously. So I was very excited. Oh. And then when I opened my book, do you know what he had written? <gasps> what? Simone, make it work, and you oh. do. Oh my God. Yes, I've been writing. Holy shit. I know, and you do. So yeah, that was the best thing ever, and I found it later. So, yeah, that was my exciting meeting with Tim Gunn. Again, listeners who don't know, that's his catchphrase, make it work. When the designers are, like, having problems, he says, well, make it work. So, yeah, yeah, that's why that was exciting. So I made it work. Thank you. It's wonderful life advice. (laughs) It is. (laughs) You realize once you're you're thinking about Tim Gunn, you notice so many people say it in life, but nobody made it a catchphrase like Tim. Yeah. So that was one of the most exciting events in my life. So validating to have my style approved by Tim Gunn. Seriously, that's yeah. A, wow. Yeah, I'm all burning. I'm just thinking about it again. I know. I am thinking about it for the first time. My favorite thing that he's ever said is probably I don't remember which season number it was, but it was the one that had Santino on it, and um, and Santino would always. Um, he could mimic Tim Gum perfectly how yes. Tim would walk into the workroom and go, where's Andre? Designers, where's Andre? <laughs> and so, like, Santino would do this dead-on impression, but he would get so crazy with it, and he'd be like, designers, look out for Andre. He's our little lamb. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and he had this whole scenario. He'd be like, Andre, whenever I take you out to Red Lobster... You embarrass me in front of my colleagues by acting like a baby. <laughs> he had this bizarre scenario where Andre and Tim Gunn were together yes. fighting at Red Lobster. All I know. The time. And then Tim Gunn heard about it and he came in and demanded <laughs> to hear it. <laughs> and he went with it. He liked it. It was nice about it. So. Do you know what? Oh my God. I know you're not watching this latest season of Project Runway, but in the last episode, it was one of those ones where they have to design their own textile. And this guy mm-hmm. that I hate did this, like, it was a. Uh, uh, a hibiscus flower so but it's just hibiscus flowers on white so he had just like uh, he had just like was like creeping it and it looked like crap and the rest of the dress was just all white fabric and then tim gunn comes in and says I- i'm gonna be i'm gonna be blunt but it looks like an ode to the menstrual cycle he <laughs> 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 was like i read th- that that yes. just that you know pull quote because my friend Lauren is um, doing the reviews for Project Runway for um, New York Magazine, so oh, that was like a right, big right. pull quote, and yeah. I was like, "That's amazing! What is the story behind this?" Yeah, oh I was so excited. I, they used it in the preview the week before, and I couldn't wait all week for that oh, line. Really? Yeah, and then he I also went. To... He also went on to say it looked like a maxi pad. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's like the worst thing that could ever happen to a designer is have Tim Gunn say that about your work. I know! And he's so tactful, but that's the best, that was the best way to describe it. So, oh, Tim Gunn, we love you. Oh. Now, um, uh, this is Dong Teeny, and we may have been a little light on the Dong news. Have we been light on it? I think we always kind of maintain a certain I feel like we level. haven't. Well, yes, last week we had our, our Dong Doctor segment. So that's true, yeah. That was something, but yeah, I feel like this has been neglected for a little while, this topic. Yeah, yeah. Aside from that, I feel like, yeah, we've, we've, we dropped the Dong on this one. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, here's... Actually, I've got two pieces of Dong news for this episode, so... So shove that up your clackers. Um, so this uplifting dong news is that um, this lab, Dr. Anthony Atala, is growing, is soon to be able to grow dongs for people who have had them, step, soldiers who have like stepped on bombs or people who have been injured in accidents. So I think that's very uplifting dong news. He's already successfully regrowing ears. Like they make a scaffolding out of some other substance. I don't know what. There are pictures of ears scaffolding on the website that looks kind of creepy but wow just looks like a weird like netting or something but it's you can tell it's not the ear and then they use the tissue from the person and and like use that to fill in the, the scaffolding and then you have an ear so uh they're gonna they're working on, they, they've already done a kidney and they're working on dongs they have used done it in rats and successfully regrown dongs on rats and they have reproduced so what yes the, the the rats have reproduced so uh sorry rabbits it was rabbits so um so this is exciting where do they news. grow the dongs do they have like a petri dish or i don't like, know well these the- are shown in petri dishes on the on the on the website there's like a it looks like a kidney that's been grown and then the ear and there's a finger also but that finger couldn't have any muscles so i don't know how they're doing it and this also talks about spray on skin that they're like building like this this liquid out of your own cells and then they're spraying it on and it just it's just more even and nicer than doing a skin graft. So anyway, Holy so crap. dongs are being grown. So I wonder if this will invade the sex industry uh, or <laughs> you know <laughs> or sex toy industry where you could have you could get an actual dong Ooh. instead of uh, some <laughs> sort of plastic uh, vibrator or dildo. Wouldn't that be disembodied dong? Yeah, disembodied dong. <laughs> <laughs> so that's some exciting stuff on the horizon, but I think that's definitely uplifting dong news, as I had noted it in the document. <laughs> now, well, few- I feel better. I'm glad you feel better. I'm sure you don't feel as good as the person who has lost a dong <laughs> <laughs> and gets a new one. And gets a brand new one. Uh, now, a few weeks ago, we were just messaging on Facebook or gmail and you said this and you seem like you're about to say it and i just said hold it right there you need to tell me about this on the show i was so excited stephanie told me i can't remember how we ended up on this subject but that judah her 10 year old has a lot of ideas for improving stephen hawking's life (laughs) and i just i just loved the idea of thinking of him just just coming in and it's like, you know what I think he needs to do? And like, he's got all the ideas that the smartest man in the world hasn't thought of some things and Judah's got the answers. So please, please tell me, what are some of Judah's ideas for improving Stephen Hawking's life? Well, I, I shot like two minutes of video last night of him talking about it, but it's too politically incorrect to post anywhere. <laughs> so you're going to give us the edited version? I'll give you an edited version. And he wasn't like being too out of line, but he was saying some things about being paralyzed that I felt were a little insensitive for the internet <laughs> because he's 10 and he doesn't understand. But anyway, um, 
one of his ideas was that he thinks that Stephen Hawking should have a jetpack so he can go anywhere he wants. <laughs> yeah, he it's the least that we could do for him after he's made all these explorations and or discoveries about space. <laughs> he true. needs a jetpack. He deserves. He should and get he, the first jetpack for sure. <laughs> I think that that would be fitting. And um, he also said that he thinks that there should be an injection that will hurt, but it will make Stephen Hawking live forever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he incorporated pain into that. <laughs> I know. Like, it's if like this dude's going to live forever, but... it needs to hurt a little bit. <laughs> I know. Or is it just the injection would hurt, as any injection Just would. the injection, Oh, yeah. okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. It was so funny when he was first telling me about it. He's sitting across from me um, at a table with his hands in his lap, and he's drinking a smoothie, but it, you know, out of a straw. And he would like lean over and drink, and then he'd like pull away and say, "And then I think it's Stephen Hawking would benefit from having a more ergonomic keypad." And then he'd lean. <laughs> it was just so funny to me how he's pontificating. <laughs> And then, like, moving over to drink some smoothie. And our friend D.W. was there, and he's like, Judah needs a series. It's like, how to improve Stephen Hawking's life. Oh, yeah, well, please, if he comes up with any more ideas, please uh, please do share them. <laughs> I could edit down the video and see how that could go. But um, Yes, that would be great. Because it was pretty cute. But I think he's, he's, he's got more ideas in there. They're just waiting for an audience, and we are the audience. I think you're right. You need to be teased out. <laughs> um, so last week we talked about, well, I talked about doing favors for people and the, just the awkwardness of expecting something in return or hoping you'll get something. And it's just a, it's a touchy subject because when you're doing a favor for somebody, you don't want to be having conditions. And uh, and I and I talked about this because, and like I said, if you have a long house guest, you, you don't say, okay, well, for this I expect this, this, and this. But you know, <laughs> in the process of their stay, you kind of expect them to, I don't know, buy you a meal or some sort of sign of appreciation. You know, especially if you're kind of broke at the time, which had been the case when I've had house guests who took, took, took and didn't, you know, buy me a meal, which I definitely could have used at the time. So anyway, uh, so we had a listener call us and he actually was glad I had said all that because they had recently gone through a similar experience where somebody had come to stay. The person who came to stay knows that they are having a tough time right now financially and didn't and, and, and they, they staying this obviously when you're staying with someone you're saving money see that's the thing you're, you, instead of staying at a hotel you're saving money so especially if you're staying for a long period right. of time so that's exactly. why a meal is pretty much nothing it's a nice gesture compared to the amount of money you saved on accommodation so anyways this person they would buy food to cook at home they would just split the, they made them split the stuff to buy it to cook at home I would never do that I would buy the groceries you know wow and then um, uh, they, they would go out to eat and again split it and uh, and, and they're just spending so much money on all this stuff. And also this person's going out to eat with them because they're there, not because they would have. They really have the money to spend on that. And then at the end of the trip, they gave them a bunch of flowers. So I just feel like that's a bit... I don't know, just one meal in all of that would have been... It's not like they have to pay for everything. It's just one a thank you meal, I just think. Would How long would nice. they stay with us? I think it was six days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, that's a yeah. long time. Yeah, especially if you've got a lot of money to blow and you're blowing out on everything but your friend. It's like you're just <laughs> taking advantage of them, kind of. I don't know. So, yeah. yeah. So and and, and and as I said before, I don't think I clarified this when I was speaking about my situation with the uh, the photographer who was asking me for a, for a favor. The, the, I I was volunteering 
for Supergrass helping them because I love them and I never expected anything back from them the whole time I was doing it. Every time they would put me on the guest list, I would feel really guilty. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I can't believe they're doing this, I can't believe they're doing this. And then they'd go and see all these people like that asshole from Rolling Stone, remember at that New York show, who would never like cover them or give them, you know, the, the, the coverage in Rolling Stone that they deserve. I was like, this fucking asshole and all these other ditzy bitches get to come along and for free. Like, I shouldn't feel bad because I actually, I actually worked for it. But that's, that's my, my inclination is if fucking I'm doing someone. Fucking asshole and ditzy bitches. They, that's who was there. There were lots of those people there. I so I felt like, you know what? I deserve, I need to stop feeling bad because I get to be on the guest list. You know, like I felt like I was taking from them. You know, like that's not how I want to do right. things. You know, but in the case of the photographer, I was never doing anything for him. I never offered. I never asked. He wasn't my friend. He just came and asked me for a favor and then gave me nothing in return, which I thought was bullshit. So yeah, I wanted to clear that up. So, That's very strange. Yeah, but yeah. So I, I, I anyway, I was glad that I my my whole revelation was helpful to somebody, and they felt that they had some comfort. Yeah. So, yes. Thank you for sharing your story, listener. It helped me too not feel like an asshole. <laughs> Today, um, I went to pick up my friend who's in town, and he's staying at um, the same hotel that Supergrass stayed in on their last. Oh, tour. nice. And it's just something I always think about whenever I drive past that hotel, and I'm like, yeah. oh, this, is, this should be a Seattle icon, <laughs> but no one else will agree with me. Uh, well, uh, I guess it's that time of the show where we need to remind listeners that if you're going to buy anything on Amazon.com, please visit feralaudio.com and go to Dongtini and then go to our Amazon link and then buy your high ticket item so that we get a little kickback. That would be really nice. Or if you're just feeling generous, you can also just donate to the show there and that helps with the upkeep and yeah, such and such with uh, putting on this show. So yeah, that would be nice. And also iTunes reviews are, are most welcome. But if not, just comment. Comment on our posts for each episode on the website at dongtini.com. Great stuff. Uh, <laughs> my mom, my friend's mom was on the radio years ago and she was kind of excited. I think that she was on the radio. So every time the DJ said something to her, she just went, great stuff. And they're like, oh so God. Lynn, how do you feel about this? And she's like, great stuff. So, <laughs> oh, so, so whenever cute. I say great stuff, I just, I always think of uh, my friend's mother. I didn't hear it, but I just heard the story and I loved it. <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> Oh, no, no. Speaking of Supergrass, which you just were. So today a friend of mine from um, uh, from Australia, she's coming to visit and was asking me about SIM cards and boring shit like that, about getting a SIM card in America. And I told her, you know, something, you got to make sure your phone is universal. Because when I went to England, the first time I tried to get a SIM card locally, I had a lot of problems because my phone wasn't as international as I, as I assumed it was. And that reminded me that... Because of that, so when I first got that, I think I was in Manchester, and I couldn't get it to work at all. It was completely dead. And then when we went closer to London, it started to work sometimes, but not always. And then I went down to Brighton, and then again it was patchy. But on that trip to Brighton, that's when I um, organized to meet up with Rob, the keyboard player from Supergrass. So if that had been like it was in Manchester, and I hadn't organized, that the whole thing hadn't worked out, it occurred to me how different things would have been. Because I got to meet him, they did work out. The phone did work just enough that I managed to communicate and meet up with him. After that meeting, then you knew that I had met him. That's when you like reached out to me and like, oh, how was Rob? Because we kind of barely knew each other online. So we may not have made that connection. Oh. Yeah. If 
scary. If, if that phone, if those phone calls hadn't gone through, because uh, that's how I ended up meeting up with Rob, and that's how I became of interest to you. I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and of course, you know, look where we are now. So that happened, and then of course, then then Rob vouched for me to manage Supergrass's MySpace page, and you know, all that, all the other adventures we've had since then. You know, could have all been foiled by a fucking Nokia phone that didn't work in England very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember too in 08 when you were here and for their show, the Supergrass show with the Foo Fighters, and um, you got a random text from Rob that like got us in the door. You know, like, and then we were, like, speculating. We had such a good time with them yes. talking. And then we were like, what if we hadn't gotten that call from yeah. Rob? That would never have happened. So I that know. Was another... That was another scare. I know. That was, like, that, once we went in that door, it was just, like, the best the best night ever. And, yeah, that could have really easily was. been foiled. So, gosh. <sighs> scary to think. But, yeah, it's funny. I don't think I ever thought about it this way until I was advising my friend today about... Uh, about her phone, so gave me a little chill. Oof, I think here, oh, I, here I go tonight to record another Dongtini. There would be no Dongtini if not for that. <laughs> that fucking phone didn't work. <laughs> Terrifying. And I wouldn't be into Supergrass if David hadn't gotten me tickets to see the Life on Other Planets tour. He's like, we are going to see this. I'm like, okay. And I was just kind of mediocre about it. And he got the sitter and everything. And then well. I was like, oh, like immediately. Because I really liked them before, but then I was super gone after I finally saw them play live. So. Yeah. It's so funny how and, both of our husbands, because David did that. And then Greg got me the CD after I expressed a mild interest in, in getting I Should Coco. I was like, if you get a used copy, you know, but no big deal. And, and I forgot all about it. <laughs> and then he, he got me a brand new copy for my birthday and like four songs. And I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing and it just went from there so but both of our husbands I think they came to somewhat regret those they, do. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about it with gritted teeth now yeah, that <laughs> yeah I'm responsible indeed now uh, now do you want to introduce our, our new segment of you and Davey today I need a name for it. Do I need a name? Um, we have a nameless segment, yet an unnamed segment, where um, I see something that a Christian has written online, and I get angry about it, and then I pull my husband over to the computer, and we record for about 10 minutes while we rant about what Christianity has come to. <laughs> okay, we're here reading a blog post by this guy who is the experienced pastor at a church called Victory in Atlanta, Georgia. And he's also, it says, the owner of Holy Cow Creative. Holy Cow, exclamation point. It says that Michael believes the church should be the most ridiculously creative place on the planet. That's ridiculous. So David and I want to read his new thing that I saw tweeted and I became infuriated. So um, sermon series topic is prayer. When the sermon series on prayer first hit our calendar, the team brainstorms led to the relational aspect of prayer. Mm. We talked about the honor that God bends his ear to hear us and that he invites us to oh, talk with him cool. and ultimately landed on the leading title of, quote, conversations. Conversations. But as I pitched it, the senior pastor gave us new direction. As he had started to dig into the topic, he wanted the sermon series to speak on the boldness of prayer, the power that comes from prayer. <sighs> Heading, change is good. 
Changes like this happen all the time in church ministry. It's just part of the territory of the church. It's easy to get disappointed, frustrated, and to lose focus, but instead by embracing change, it allowed the team to take it to a new level. This change was good news, and this was going to be fun. Craig, the senior video editor, I love that there's oh, someone God. that they have paid on their church staff. And of course his name is Craig. <laughs> Only this, Craig could edit this. videos. Senior video editor implies that they're junior and lesser subsidiary video editors. Craig wanted to do something with explosions for a while after seeing this uncle video. What's okay. uncle? What is uncle? Uncle is in all caps and it's spelled U-N-K-L-E. It's gotta be like a band? Let's click on it. It's gotta be a Christian band. Oh no. Oh. This is a skateboard video. It says this was used in the acclaimed skate film Fully Flared directed by Spike Jones and Ty Evans. Spike, why are you associating yourself with this? Is it a Christian band? What is Uncle? Sounds Christian. Isn't that a TV show, The Man from Uncle? I don't know. It sounds horrible. Okay, I can this handle is... this. You can't have slow motion skate videos with a song like that. <laughs> Spike Jones says you can, apparently. Well, he's no Craig. <laughs> okay, back to Michael Buckingham's post. I was just getting into the saddle at Victory. Gross. And since that he needed to let loose and have some creative fun, so we let that lead our creative and landed on breakthrough. Okay, so breakthrough Wait, looks like so. Just a second. A sermon so series. that phrase right there, and have some creative fun. Mm -hmm. That's the. It's like so. It's so like. It's not about anybody but himself. Like, let me roll around in my own filth. Creative fun. Let me have it's, some it's creative self indulgent fun. and it's disconnected from true fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. The big wow to the kickoff. Oh, my God. The big wow to kick off the series was going to be the video. So we let that lead all the creative design. Oh, wait. All the creative design followed its lead, which was a reversal to how it had always been done, but gave the whole process great flow and brought video and design teams together. Here's a bit of the process rundown and the final video. Oh, no. Creating the sermon series creative. Is that redundant? Letting the video concept led the way, wait, letting the video concept lead the way made the design process much smoother and quicker. It really came down to the right picture and type treatment. Okay, so what they're talking about is a picture that they're making that they're going to have up behind the pastor while he's preaching. Is that Jesus breaking through a brick wall? <laughs> it totally it's like he's like the, the, the Kool-Aid man breaking through the wall. Oh my God. Okay, I have to get the cookies out of the oven. Here, you take over. All right, so this, there's a picture here, and it's a picture of the Kool-Aid man, Jesus, breaking through a wall. And it says on top of it, if it weren't enough that it's Jesus obviously breaking through a brick wall, it says in giant letters, break through. I don't know what more to say about that. Some people need to be clear. Some people need to say it twice. Some people need to be completely literal and leave no room for the audience to think any of their own thoughts or engage with the text or the video in any way. Can I read on here? Please. We built a two-layered dry-walled wall. I like... <laughs> those are two of my favorite words together. Dry-walled wall. Filled with various fireworks, smoke, and bits of debris in between the two. It was scored on the opposite side. That's, that's an industry term for it. They put holes in it. <laughs> But definitely required a confident man to make the run. 
We did a test run to test both the camera and the runner's confidence. Oh my gosh. So they have a picture of a blank wall and then a picture of a wall with a horribly fonted breakthrough written on it. Oh gosh. And then they have the final product, which is like they spent hours and, and thousands of dollars to make this little video sequence. So that, you know, 65-year-old ladies could clutch their pearls or whatever. If I had it to do over, I wouldn't change a thing about the shoot. Lo- comma, love where we landed. I would have spent more time planning additional shoots to get more Aww. usage out of that amazing camera. <laughs> I do wish we would have been able to move through, move the broken through wall on stage or into the lobby, but it wouldn't have made the trip. So that's the end of the blog post, and let's process our feelings about this now. <laughs> How are you feeling, David? Feeling super gay. I feel, I'm, sad. I'm, I just I feel, feel sad. I feel itchy. You look itchy. Scratching your head and fidgeting. Why do you feel itchy? Can you tell me a little <laughs> more about that? Because <laughs> uh, this is all horribly cheesy. I mean, it reminds me of, of growing up in the church when they, they do this kind of stuff. And it comes off as like, semi-interesting or cool but that's that's supposed to be like that's supposed to make it okay you know that it's it's like ooh, you did something interesting or cool or marginally interesting or marginally cool and so that makes you know the bible or the message or whatever better by you know like no one questions it no one calls no one questions it no one would ever take this apart i mean because it looks like they're doing something good and this guy even commented underneath it. It looks like it's in response to some sort of criticism, which I think he deleted. But he says, I do what I do because the message and story of Christ deserves the most amazing creative efforts we can pour into telling it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Right there. It basically is saying Jesus isn't enough. He needs an ad campaign That's what it feels that is like. authored by me. He needs me to paint a special billboard. Otherwise, no one will feel loved. It's like no one can understand it unless we like spend a lot of time with drywalled walls that are scored, and then we have <laughs> explosions and <laughs> explosions and fireworks, and we want to move them into the lobby to add to the experience. But it seems so okay. What is this? What's his profile pic here? Do you see this? He's being zany, David. It's it's a picture of him with like doing camel mouth on his wife. Ew! You, no, like kissing. <laughs> They're kissing. Camel mouth. Ew! Camel mouth. That just makes me think of camel toe. It's like he's, it's like, it's, I don't know. They're locked in a horribly disgusting. All right, now you're just getting personal. But they're wearing like uh, New Year's glasses or something. because, David, I bet you anything this was the photo booth at their, some sort of church celebration. Like maybe the kickoff for the Breakthrough Sermon series. He's got a top hat on. (laughs) And she has like a wig. No, that's, that's one of those things you take in the shower. Those floofy froofers. The women things. Oh, the puffy ball that you don't understand that you put shower gel on? The bottle brush. Ew. It's not a bottle brush. It does not do that. (laughs) So, I want to process my feelings. Are you curious about my feelings? (laughs) Stephanie, can you process your feelings for me? I'm very curious. You're supposed to draw me out. Uh, Draw you (laughs) out? Draw you out. Stephanie, I want to know about your feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you be drawn out by them? Why don't you let me be... Oh, God. So, I'm feeling angry. <laughs> and I know beneath that is sadness. Because <laughs> anger is always a secondary emotion to sadness or fear. And I feel sad that 
this sort of take on something that's really meaningful, this this sort of take is considered okay, and and the church will defend it, and they won't say what's really happening here that we have to have a sermon series with video bumpers instead of engaging people in small group, like maybe sit down with it and say, what does this text say? And where does that resonate with you? Where do you have dissonance with it? How, how has it been? How's, how have things been for you lately? And where does this sit with you? Like, why can't they do that? They won't. It's like if you if it's like if you had you were gonna go talk to someone to either like apologize for something or ask him a serious question and you you introduced it with a video bumper it just like exactly it takes all the humanity out of the moment. yes that's good okay I think we've said enough here so there's that and um cool then we also um recorded us watching the video and then the making of the video. <laughs> okay, now we're going to actually watch the video bumper for the Breakthrough series um, from Victory World Church. So here we go. Is the volume up enough? I don't know. Yes. I feel like I'm running aimlessly when everything seems to be going wrong. Black man running. When all seems to be lost. When the joyful song is gone. When defeat comes knocking at my door. When the sun threatens not to shine. Me. Wow. Floating graphics. It's like the electric company. Graphic tea. It's got a very graphic tea. And two white wristbands. Running in slow motion. This keeps happening. Oh wow, it's got little computer graphics following him as he's running. Which I've seen on every TV commercial for the last year and a half. Oh, things are breaking through walls. Busting through the drywall. Oh, it's a black man breaking through a wall. This is racial. This works on more than one level. Or my breakthrough. My breakthrough. Oh, God. Okay, now we're going to watch the 12-second clip of the behind-the-scenes of the shoot. This one? No, it's down here. Oh. What could they do in... What could they show behind the scenes in 12 seconds? I don't know. Let's see. Hey, go! Okay, there's a set, and the guy's running, and he's... Ah! Oh, boy. It's like the thriller video. Just a leap through the drywalled wall. How many times did they do that? Once, probably, because they painted that special thing with all of the creative. Oh, he said they could only take one take. I guess we just read all about the that. The Lord only had enough creative inspiration for one wall, Stephanie. Okay, bye. So, uh, I just still, my stomach is feeling like kind of like the dry heavy kind of feel <laughs> right now. Not full on nausea, but I feel like I'm getting there just thinking about this video. So. <clears throat> Feels good to get it out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Very good. So I've been trying to read this book for a while, and I finally finished it yesterday. Um, it was called uh, Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. And I think a lot of people have read this book. I think it's a well-known book. This guy wrote Into the Wild and Up in the Air. And anyway, it's about Mormon fundamentalism. And this uh, particular book focuses on a case where uh, some fundamentalist uh, brothers murdered a woman and her baby daughter. So, um, and this was based on, on a revelation that they received. And, um, and I, I don't know, like, so now you're interested in Mormonism, and I'm curious your, your opinion on Mormonism. You said you've read a book about, about a, a Mormon as well. And yeah, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on Mormonism in general? 
Um, it, it's kind of Scientology-ish to me because it takes elements of, of Christianity and then kind of combines it with like new spacey kind of information. Like yeah. they're called the latter, you know, Mormons are called the Latter-day Saints because they believe that Jesus um, came to America and like, you know, prophesied to the Native Americans in like the 1700s and then Joseph Smith found these plates that he could read with special spectacles, you know, these glasses that he dug up. So... Um, you know, probably nothing any more, nothing more far-fetched than believing in the resurrection. <laughs> it it kind of takes on its, its a life of its own, and and they um, just the culture around Mormonism I know is very uh, just strident, and um, I know that Utah, where Salt Lake City, where they have all the you know the Mormon headquarters and tons of Mormons, I know that that's the state that uses both the most antidepressants and the most pornography. Really? Um, yeah, which seems to speak to the repression going on there. But I read a memoir of this woman who grew up and her dad was an elder in the Mormon church. And um, I think she's about my age or a little bit older now. But um, And I feel bad I can't remember her name. I'll put it on donkini.com. But when she was in her 30s, after she had a family and, you know, was married, married a Mormon man and they were still practicing Mormonism and everything, she began to have memories of being severely abused, you know, by, you know, at the hands of her, of the Mormon elders and this sort of thing. So I know that this probably isn't typical of every single Mormon family, but it was, it was really crazy and brave the way she wrote about her journey. And, um, she was very afraid that the Mormon church was going to come after her and like possibly so, take her life. Cause she's these regular Mormons or, or fundamentalist Mormons? Reg regular, regular Mormons. Mormons. Right. Yep. In Salt Lake City. In Salt Lake City, because um, the the thing that I find interesting about about Mormonism, like you were saying, the whole history with Joseph Smith and finding their you know Book of Mormon on those gold plates that were left by Jesus that he was led to by an angel, is that because mm -hmm. it's all so new, so much of it is you can there's there's surrounding documentation and and other accounts and reports to sort of you know explain and validate these these claims. You know what I mean? It's whereas you know mm -hmm. when you go back far to the Bible, it's very it's it's so much more of an archaeological uh, quest to, to to find the truth. But with Mormonism, it's so new that you really don't have to look very hard to understand what what's happened. And what's so interesting about Mormonism is how much they reinvent their their, their own story when it's when they need to. Yes. So so they started out. They they um, like for example, Joseph Smith initially said that. Uh, that anybody could could have a revelations from God. Anybody could do it, and and that was a great appeal of it. So people were like, right on, I can talk to God with this, with this religion. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly he kind of became redundant because of this. Like, well, why do we need you? We're just talking straight to right. God. Then, ding ding ding. Oh, guys, you know what? I just had another revelation from God, and it turns out I'm the only one now. Like, he, like <laughs> this, this happens. <laughs> This happens in Mormonism, and same thing with plural marriage. There was, there was, you know, they were just having regular, you know, two pe two person marriages, and then Joseph Smith's horny as hell. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I, God told me we're supposed to marry multiple wives. Only wives. No women can't marry multiple people. But yeah, and like he came up with that, and he didn't even have the confidence, clearly, because it's bullshit, to say, oh. 
you know, God told me this. This is what we have to do. He kind of like did like a, a little gentle, gentle unfurling of the idea. And his wife wasn't having any of it. And a lot of people he told weren't into it. And so he kind of just backed off and did it on the sly. But there were people who were into it from then. So after he died, after he was murdered in jail, um, he, uh, like Brigham Young, like pushed for us, like, all right, we're going to go with the plural marriage. And then, of course, they had all these problems with the government because it was illegal. So then whoever was the president, I think around 1890 was like, oh, you know what? God, because whoever's the president, that, that's the only person getting the revelations from God. Oh, okay. Plural marriage is not okay anymore. You know, it's just, it's just always convenient. Same with them not mm-hmm. allow, allowing blacks into, to become priests in the Mormon church. All this stuff, right. they, they, they're constantly bowing to, to, to social pressure to, you know, to just seem more normal and mainstream. So, I mean, that, that's a fascinating element of Mormonism, but I feel like it really only differs from you know other religions because it's so new and that you can see it clearer. You know what I mean? And that sort of stuff is probably right. going on, you know, in every direction from any religion you can think of. But you can't. It's much harder to find that information about other religions. You know, so yeah. um, so I found I, I you know that, that that's and that's that's what's interesting about Mormonism. And also again, like like you're saying, Mormonism seems like a you know an offshoot of Christianity, but Christianity is like an offshoot of a, of a Judaism. You know, so it's like. They, they're mm-hmm. still stuck on that so it's like does Christianity seem as crazy to Jews as Mormonism seems to Christians so <laughs> I've long wondered that so um, um, I remember in this hearing that in the 70s um, well I guess back in yeah about the 70s whenever the civil rights movement was going on um, this the Mormons had always said that the darker your skin was, the worse um, of a person you are. <laughs> yeah, um, be- because like, it says in the thing that, that when they, there was, I think, two angels fighting, or the two tribes that were in America when Jesus came, and they, they ended up fighting or something, and one of them was, was outcast, and their skin was turned black as punishment. So it, since they were being punished, yes. that would explain why, I guess, the blacker you are, the, the, the worse you are. According to Mormonism, yeah. not me. <laughs> exactly. And then in the 70s, they, when they're getting all the social pressure because of civil rights, they suddenly had another, you know, vision. Oh, it's been revealed to us that it's okay for black people to be Mormons now or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So. Well, no, because they, they would. The Brigham BYU wouldn't play uh, a team from another. Oh, no, no, that's right. There was a black. Because of their, their position on, on having blacks as priests, uh, this other school that had all uh, an all-black school refused to play BYU in the basketball. So it was because of basketball, because of college basketball, that uh, they suddenly got this revelation, like, oh, shit, we're lose our chances at winning the championship. God, what do you think about that? Okay, blacks are okay now. Awesome. So, oh, I love God. He goes on along with everything, I think. <laughs> Seriously, but um, but in this case that this book talked about, um, when they when they they tried him once, he was found guilty. But then they uh, threw the case out because they found that um, because they were arguing that he wasn't fit to st- mentally fit to stand trial because he's crazy because he thinks he's having revelations from God. But what that was actually doing is putting on trial the idea that people believing and having a relationship with God is crazy. So mm-hmm. that was what was. Um, what was uh, what was really interesting about it, and let me just find this quote from um, uh, from this psychologist that testified in the con- competency uh, portion of it. Ron, the the defendant, the guy who conducted the murders, and he was the one who originally got the revelation. Um, 
he was referring to reflector shields, and uh, and it's very, they're very, which he described as very much like guardian angels, and so reflector shields, reflector shields. Well, you know that sounds as crazy to me as guardian angels. <laughs> so right. the assistant attorney general asked a doct asked a, a doctor gardener on the stand if believing guardian angels made someone mentally ill, and he responded, "I would certainly hope not. Certainly, the majority of people in our country believe in God. Most people in our country pray to God. It's a common experience, and while the labels Mr. Lafferty uses are certainly unusual, the thought forms themselves are very common. So, um, the bottom line, they, they, in the end, they decided he was fit, mentally fit to stand trial. The bastard's still alive. They tried to, they, he was given the death sentence, but I looked it up. He's still alive. He's still been fighting on appeal. This happened in 1984. So, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but it did pose an interesting question because if they said he was crazy, then they're essentially saying anyone who had a relationship with God would be crazy. They, the, the doctor described him as a narcissist and that was sort of why yeah. he arrived at the things that he did because it was all very self-serving. But, uh, but it raised a lot of those questions, which I, which I really, uh, really enjoyed so yeah i love stuff like that yeah i highly recommend uh, recommend this this book and, and it's good too because i mean i'm giving you my dicky version of it like oh do, 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 you know my sarcastic god gave revolution but um but the actual book doesn't read like that at all he just says it like right. yeah so god gave joseph another revelation oh joseph received another revelation that blah blah blah, blah. like he just says it just states it and you can make yeah. of it what you will and of course we know what i yeah. made of it but <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't Bullshit. worry. We'll make of it what we will. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I recommend that book, uh, Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. So, I love it. I love you reading this because I've heard about it for so long and I'm, now I'm getting to glean from, yes. from it. So, yeah. I'd loan it to you, but it's a Kindle edition. Ah, I understand. So to close, we opened with a, with a uplifting dong story. This story is the opposite. <clears throat> well, the title is is slightly misleading, but it is also mostly true. Woman injects man's penis with silicone. Man immediately dies. Ah! Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! It wasn't what immediate. Him, exactly. like, he he died he... the next day. But yeah, he, get this right. This woman, this twenty, this is a twenty-two-year-old New Jersey man, has died after a woman claimed she could make his penis bigger by injecting it with some shit in her living room. <laughs> so wow. she had flyers up in local businesses and he went no and she way. had no license no medical training whatsoever and just had some silicone and injected into the penis and he died the next day and i can't say i feel that bad for him i mean you're pretty fucking thick if you're gonna go for such a procedure but the, oh the thing is every or your time your really fucking small that's true that's true maybe it's so tragic it's it's so small that yeah now this picture of this woman oh my god oh my god she's what? she's she's just she's fucked she's so fucking hideous every time i open this tab because i've had this open since yesterday it terrifies me she's just got like just blotchy skin and this giant giant look like collagen lips and a and a she's just scary she's just fucking scary and she's got like bleachy hair and i don't know you can't i can't describe it nothing i'm describing sounds that bad until you see it so i'll put it on the website she doesn't look like anyone that you should let inject silicone in your wiener i wouldn't let basically. no guy should let this woman near their wiener for sex even like she's <laughs> utterly terrifying so anyway so that's a, a, a sad dong story but yeah 
I'd really that's like to know. That's a sad, long story. I'd like to know how small this guy's wiener is that he was willing know, to answer an ad hanging in a local thing. business. Oh, man. And just go to this woman's house. Oh, my God. In a living room. So, anyway. Oh, I can't believe it. Yep. So. In her living room. Wow. <laughs> well, oh. on that note, that. No, let's talk about dongs some more. Let's talk I'm about dongs some more. <laughs> On that flaccid note, <laughs> I think we'll wrap things up. So thanks all for listening. Visit the website and join in on the dong conversation. And also you can call the dong line, 323-301-DONG. So until next time, bye, Stephanie. Bye, Simone. Bye. Bye. Tony Danza, I'm coming. Blue jean, baby. For the band, pretty eyes, pirate smile. You marry music man, ballerina. You must have seen her dancing in the sand.
This podcast operates independently in partnership with FeralAudio.com, an artist-friendly podcast collective. This artist reserves the rights to their materials. Visit FeralAudio.com for other original shows and learn about our community of artists that help make this collective possible. Thank you for listening to this podcast. <laughs>